0: Michael Osterlink here, and I'm with Nancy Eichhorn, PhD. She's the founding editor-in-chief of Somatic Psychotherapy Today. She's a freelance writer, editor, and teacher. Her writing resume includes over 5,000 newspaper and magazine articles and chapters in professional anthologies, including When Hurt Remains, Relational Perspectives on Therapeutic Failure, about relational body psychotherapy, and the body in relationship. She's an avid hiker, cyclist, Kayaker, paddler, backpacker, nature's innocence, officer, solace, and the space for inner expression in a physically outward way. How you doing, Nancy?
1: I'm doing really well, Michael. How are you today?
0: Good. It's good to see you. So, for our listening audience, I think it'd be great if you could explain to us what you mean by somatics and somatic psychotherapy.
1: Um, I'll I'll give it a shot here. Um, When I started. Growing up, I guess, um, my parents were very involved in therapy. Um, they were involved with Tom and Amy Harris, with I'm Okay, You're Okay. They got really involved in the Bowen Theory. They got involved in marital family therapy. They were doctors. So my idea of sort of life and therapy was always what's in my head. How do I talk about it? How do I phrase it? Um, and as I got more involved in my own path, my own goal with writing, Um, and teaching writing, especially with students, I started learning that their stories were really in their body. Mm -hmm. And what they were trying to write about was this felt sense of who am I? And how do I see myself and experience myself in my relationships with my friends, with my world, with my environment? So when I went into grad school and started studying psychology, I, I just realized I'm a head person. And I want to be more in my body. I want more of the experience of what does it feel like to be Nancy and how do I feel my emotions and feel and experience what's happening energetically. So then I learned that there's this whole school of thought called somatic psychology, which is based on um, Europe's body psychotherapy. Mm-hmm. Um, but a lot of people hear the word body and they think like body worker, like a mm-hmm. massage therapist um, or Um, a physical therapist. And when we're talking body or soma, we're talking about Thomas Hanna's definition of the soma or the psyche and the being. So when we we use this term somatic psychology or body psychotherapy, fairly interchangeable, we're talking about an umbrella um, term for a lot of methodologies that help people become more mindful and present of their body in its entirety. Um, even down to the cellular sense. I mean, one of the things that we include in somatic psychology is pre- and perinatal psychology and health. And looking at what's happening, even preconception, conception, and all of those moments of our being are part of our consciousness in our cellular level, but not in our hippocampal brain. Um, And again, when we start talking about work or trauma, we start thinking about, well, a lot of the sensations that are stored are in the amygdala part of the brain, which stores our, our feelings, our senses, um, sounds, flashbacks, but there's no narrative, there's no story. So somatic psychologists will work with both the narrative, which is like a story that I can tell you, but also the felt sense and what's happening in the body. Um, a lot of people have created schematics of the body. Stanley Kellerman has a great one on the emotions of the body. We've got the armature and the characters, you know, coming from the greats in Europe. Um, And what do they look like? We've got moving cycles and movement and dance. Um, We've got art is drawing, we've got singing, we've got voice. Now we have um, Steve Porges' work with the polyvagal theory and our whole social engagement system. And we're really working with that in terms of how do we have a felt sense of ourselves and who we are? And how do we be in that felt sense? And start making choices about what we're about and what we're doing. So it's kind of a long winded answer, but (laughs) so when we talk about somatics and body psychotherapy, we're talking about the whole essence of our being. So it's our physicality, our emotion, our spirit, our energy, um, our everything.
0: You know, you mentioned Thomas Hanna, um, and I believe one of the definitions of somatics is a body as experienced from within but you, you also um, mentioned massage. And, and from my training and experience, it's, it's both from my, and I like your understanding of this, it's both the body as experience from within at all levels, from cellular all the way to the full or, or organism. But it's also, you know, as a therapist, someone could work with you on manipulating your physical structure, whether it's the fascia, the muscles, or, or, or such things. So it's kind of objective and subjective. And I've also heard you kind of uh, bring in intersubjective, you know. Uh, so it's kind of all these, all these spaces integrated together in a, in a broader field of psychology than just the head. Yes.
1: Yeah. And definitely touch and yeah. movement is, is, is a part, a lot of, of, I mean, I remember even just when I was teaching um, and I'm a, um, what would you call it, a Reiki practitioner? Okay. Yeah. Um, I do work. And I'd be sitting in circle time as a reading specialist. And the second grader would be sitting in the circle for reading time. And she'd have a bellyache. And she'd snuggle on my lap. And I'd just put my hands on her belly and just do a little Reiki. She had no clue. And her tummy ache would be all better. And I don't know, honestly, if it was the Reiki or just the physical contact, the touch, feeling, and attuning to my body, my presence, my calmness. It could be all of those things combined. Um, But I know, especially when I was working with private clients in New Hampshire, I did a lot of work um, with touch and contact for grounding um, as part of the titration process, when we're working with trauma and we're kind of swinging in a little bit, but swinging out and touching in. Um, and movement really helps and touch really helps in so many situations. Um, appropriate, of course. Yeah, I was gonna ask you
0: about that. Of, yeah, yeah um, consent from the, from the individual client or clients, uh, for them to understand what you're attempting to do and the outcome. Um, especially today with uh, a lot of the issues in our culture, it's important to point out that yeah. consent is really important to when you touch someone, whether it's professionally or any other kind of relationship you might have with someone. But so you, you've you gone from working with individual clients and now you have an amazing magazine. This is how I <laughs> connected because I am a subscriber to it. And actually it's interesting that you brought up the pre and parental NATO because that is part yeah. of this, uh, issue. What led you to go from creating, you know, from working with individual clients to deciding you, ah, wow, well, I need to create a magazine on this broad <laughs> subject of somatic psychotherapy.
1: Well, um, it actually started, um, when I was in graduate school okay. and one of my professors, Ray Johnson, asked if I wanted to be a student editor for the United States Association of Body Psychotherapies newsletter. And I had no idea what that association was. I never heard of it. I was brand new into getting my master's at Santa Barbara Graduate Institute before it closed. And all I knew is it involved writing. And I like, yes, (laughs) it's about writing. I'll do it. And so that got me involved in more of the writing components of psychotherapy and what was being written and how it was being written. And in my experience, I could see that we have associations, the European Association for Body Psychotherapy, we have APA for Mm pre-perinatal, and they have great newsletters, and they've got the peer-reviewed journals. Um, I worked as a peer reviewer, and then I've also was co-editor of the International Body Psychotherapy Journal, so I got involved in the academic component. So I saw the really familiar newsletter association part, and I saw the really academic part, Mm -hmm. and there was nothing in the middle for my classmates and I to write about our experiences. Um, they weren't research. They were just, you know, our clinical experiences, our felt sense experiences, what's happening with us, with our clients. Um, and there was nowhere for that to go. Mm. So I thought we need a magazine. And I know we have Psychotherapy Network, or we have Psychology Today, but they're more cognitive behavioral therapy based. And I felt like we needed a place for our voices to share with our colleagues and also to let other people in this world know about this other way of doing psychotherapy of coming in to seek support, to seek help. Uh, I mean, I was running writing groups in New Hampshire um, under the guise of writing groups. I had one group that was with me for eight years, every eight weeks they signed back up. And one of the, one of the women, she was a retired professor from the university of New Hampshire. She said, this is the cheapest group therapy I've ever had. Nice. Because so much of writing is our story. And I would bring in those components of self and relationship and character and how to come into understanding of a character through understanding yourself so to me writing has always been such a part of that um, and i love working with writers and i love the content so for me it was like the perfect wedding um, and then i had a family experience with my mother being stage four cancer and i had to basically drop everything um, clients classes come from new hampshire to california and after three recurrences, I knew I could no longer be in a classroom or face-to-face with clients. I had to do something that allowed me the flexibility to be with my family. Mm-hmm. Uh, my mom at 89 is on, on hold. We are on maintenance drugs. She's great. My oh, dad's nice. Great. Um, so, But I just really found the sense of I can be engaged. I can still be in relationship. I can still be in the field. Um, and contribute um, the way that I know best, which is through writing, um, either helping people write or write.
0: Now, you mentioned you got your graduate degree at Santa Barbara. Um, what's, the, what's the full name of the uh, graduate school you went to?
1: Well, I started um, at the Santa Barbara Graduate Institute, but it okay. has since closed. Mm-hmm. The Chicago School of Professional Psychology bought them Um, So for my doctorate to finish up um, my doctoral work, I was at the Chicago School of Professional Psychology.
0: Okay. Because in the field of somatic psychology, for instance, I did my postgraduate work at the California Institute for Integral Studies under Don Johnson. Amazing group of teachers and professors there. Uh, can you kind of talk about the, the field broadly? Like, you know, if someone's actually interested in in getting an, an MA or a PhD, what are some of the schools that are available and or specific programs that are available? If they just kind of want to do the Google and see what's uh, out in terms of professional development.
1: Well, yeah, we've got the California Institute of Integral Studies, yeah. um, Pacifica um, Graduate Institute. Ray Johnson's a professor there. They have a wonderful program that you can do. And Barnaby um, Barrett, who was... A lot of these people were on staff at Santa Barbara Graduate I mean, I had the cream of the crop there. I had mm-hmm. Marty Glenn, I had Barnaby Baird, I had Ray Johnson, I had Jill Kern. I mean, I just had uh, Christine Caldwell, yeah. Stella Resnick. Um, I mean, I just got to study with some of these phenomenal people. Um, and so Barnaby is actually starting um, an online doctoral program. I've got just starting to get little whispers of that information coming in. Okay. Um, but uh, JFK, John F. Kennedy's got a, a program. Um, Naropa has a master's um, in with some work in somatics. Um, so the programs are out there. Um, part of what I thought was really special for my, because of my degree, my, my PhD is actually clinical psychology okay. with a somatic focus. Nice. And because of my somatic focus, I had to take um, six courses at Esalen Institute so I got to work with Ron, with Ron Hertz before he passed. I got to study with Ron. Wow. I um, there so for a week in classes, learning and experiencing and being. Um, so yeah, I got to take some incredible um, courses and learn different methods, but through the methodology and then doing my own work, really coming into an understanding of how this integrates and incorporates. Um, I think finding the right school is really important. Yeah. because if it's going to be online, like ours was partially online, but then we had on-campus experiences and it's that person to person connection um, that really brings this work um, to light, I think. Um, so the programs are out there um, and there's a lot of, like you said, you can Google um, and finding, you know, finding the faculty and the fit. Um, I remember when I was going for my first, um, I'm, I've kind of got three master's degrees. Oh. Um, my, my, first, <laughs> nice. my first master's degree, I was trying, thinking I, I had to go, you know, to Harvard. It was in my brain. I had to get my, 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 it was an education degree in reading, and I needed to go to Harvard. And of course, I didn't get accepted to Harvard. I got accepted to the University of New Hampshire. Well, it turns out that's where the people were on faculty who were writing the books that I was studying and using at UC Berkeley. So I got to train with Don Graves, who started this whole writing as a process movement and using personal narrative and memoir for teaching writing and presence. And Jane Hansen was a reading. So I was guided beautifully to where I needed to be. And I ended up getting at Santa Barbara Graduate Institute, guiding where I needed to be. Um, So there's always, I think, if you trust, you'll end up at the right school where you need to be to learn from people who will teach you.
0: I think it's also important to point out, too, because you have mentioned some amazing names in the field. And a lot of those same people have a, their own particular program that they've either uh, created on their own or they're, or they're like the second or third generation of a, of a program that, you know, someone originally created. So even for someone who already has a master's or a Ph.D. or is a therapist or MFT or a social worker or a psychiatrist and is interested in somatics, they don't necessarily have to go back to get another graduate degree they can actually find a very specific program that, that, you know, that teaches the aspects of somatics that are interesting to them as well.
1: Yeah. Yes. Yes. There's some beautiful schools. Um, Eileen Welch has a school up in Seattle. Um, and again, she teaches a methodology, a way of bringing in, you know, somatics. And you can find certification programs, somatic experiencing yeah. has their training programs, their foundation, core energetics has theirs biodynamics um, there are so many ways to find what resonates with you um, and integrate them into your style of working. Um, I, I was always much more, because I've been a teacher my whole life, I always found that in my work with clients, I was much more vocal, um, not, not psychoanalytic, sitting back and letting the person talk the whole time. Um, we it was much more interactive and engaged and back and forth, almost more of a, of a coach, I yeah. guess, than a therapist. Um, in a sense. um, I mean, I offered my opinion. (laughs) You know, I I was there. um, So I was not a sort of neutral listening, um, sort of unbiased bystander in in the relationship. Um, And other people think that, no, that's too much. You need to really just be there, be attuned, you know, really be supportive and help them do their own discovery, let, you know, a little guide, but really it's about them You know, and maybe at the right moment you sense where they just need a touch, like Ron would do, Ron Kurtz would know that maybe you just need a touch at this moment to ground or to be and to go through the movement and the experience. So, yeah, it's really about finding who you are um, and your work and and going out there and bringing it all together in different ways.
0: Do do you have some thoughts on why our culture is so – negative towards human touch uh is seemingly negative towards human touch unless it's you know very prescribed like a doctor can touch a patient or a massage therapist if they're you know if as long as the right kind of massage therapist can touch a patient um but even you know if you study the you mentioned uh, the association for pre- and perinatal psychology and health and you know they just point out the importance of the breastfeeding like example or the importance of a mother holding a baby just for the, you know, the, the oxytocin release and the connection and brain development for both, baby and the mother. Yeah. But that seems so uh, alternative. Somatics seems so alternative. But, I mean, if you look at human beings, it should not be an alternative approach. It should be like the way it is. So, I'm, so if that's if you agree with that assessment, why our right. culture is, is so antithetical to how we were – born or designed to be in the world in terms of relating to one another in that way. And also just the awareness of what's going on inside of ourselves, outside of just our rational self. It's,
1: I find it strange um, because we are so anti body here in the United States. Yeah. I mean, it's, it, it's, you know, it's supposed to be this perfect image. Um, and, and I love when Steve Poor just talks about and shows the pictures of people that get Botox. Because they're, they're trying to perfect their eyes or their lids or this. And you look at them when they're, they're, and they become frozen. Yeah, and they yeah. actually become scary looking. And they would be like a person you wouldn't feel safe with. But they've got this image of being beautiful. Uh, but from a distance. You know, there's just, you know, we have this body boundary, this space that's so separate and apart. Um, and it's like this armoring that says, you cannot touch me and you will not get near me. Um, here in the state of California, you're only allowed to touch a, a client if you're a doctor, a nurse, Oops. or a licensed massage therapist. Um, teachers, back when I was teaching elementary school here in the '80s, we used to give out called get a free hug stuff. Yeah. So when you kid doing something good, you get them a get a free hug. And anytime they really needed a hug, they could come give this little card to somebody and they get a nice hug. Outlawed. Not allowed to hug kids. Can't touch kids. There's so much fear of of pedophiles. Yeah. of sexual abuse, of inappropriate touch, of somebody touching for their own need, not for the other person's need. Um, and it's become this whole sense of, of, of divorce. We've become divorced from our own tactile experience of human skin. I, I don't think people even touch themselves. It's like they go through the day and it's like, what am I feeling? What do I feel like? What does my elbow feel like? Yeah. Um, we don't even notice, you know, our own sense of touching ourselves. Do we, do we hug ourselves? Um, and I think it's fear. I really think it's all fear based. Yeah. Um, it's just about people not having proper boundaries, um, and people creating a fear space that the boundaries will be violated. People will be hurt. Um, instead of looking at the power of touch and the need, I mean, how desperately we need touch we needed to survive we've so, known that ancients.
0: <laughs> very binary thinking either on or yeah. off you know yeah you're bad as opposed to recognizing it wasn't what i'm hearing you say is that obviously you've got to respect boundaries and you got to be careful that because there are predators out there but 99 percent of all people are yeah. not predators and and it's a health it's a healthy thing to both experience one's body within like what's happening inside myself and how do I express that in a healthy way and also touching other people. I mean, it seems to me biologically we're designed for that and we thrive under those conditions.
1: Yeah. I find it fascinating that the groups that I hike with, everybody greets the Heltra trailheads with hugs. Everybody's hugging everybody. Hi, how are you doing? You know, you meet somebody new. Hi, how you doing? Um, there's a real it, in in this culture of these groups that I'm hiking with. Um, there's a real culture of connection to the earth, connection to nature, connection to self and to other. Uh, and I think part of it's just uh, we kn- we know a lot now about nature therapy and being outdoors. Yeah. Um, but I just think also people realize the value of connection, and just you know it's not an embrace. It's a, it's a it's a greeting hug. It's different than an embrace. Um, and, and but there is a sense of of communion. Um, when there's this sort of a, hi, how you doing, you know, versus, you know, like a father embracing his daughter and holding and comforting and and loving, um, and they're all important. I think all forms of touch are important.
0: Now, mainstream psychology, cognitive behavioral kind of fits into that model. Maybe some, you know, depending if you're relationship oriented, you can do some relationship stuff. It's still kind of cognitive behavioral oriented, although it might be more systemic, what kind of feedback have you heard over the years from what we might call more conventional therapists from uh, you know, who, who, who either see or have encountered with or work with somatic psychotherapists? What kind of feedback do you get from folks who are not in the field of somatic psychotherapy, but have at least heard of it or maybe worked with it or know someone who has worked with it?
1: Um, I'm laughing because I was doing my um, internship hours uh, at a very, it's a community-based um, mental health program um, in New Hampshire. Yeah. Cognitive behavioral everything. Yeah. I had to take you know, lessons on cognitive behavioral trauma therapy, cognitive behavioral this, that. Um, and I would be in my, my room working with my, my clients. My clients were all children. Mm -hmm. Um, And I'd be doing art therapy, movement therapy, somatic therapy, mindfulness training, breath work. And, you know, my supervisor would be watching the videos of my training and he just couldn't believe the results I was getting with kids that have been in the system for so long that got nowhere. Yeah, Yeah. And by bringing in the somatics all of a sudden, so more people in the clinic wanted to learn more about what I was doing and why. Good. And I find that when I'm out on the, you know, out on the trail or I'm out on a group, whatever, and I meet people who are psychotherapists and we get to talking, they're curious. And we are becoming more known through mindfulness, mindfulness meditation, uh, mindfulness stress reduction. Um, A lot of that is coming in. A lot of more energy work is coming in. And I find that when they find out about it, they want to pick up on one tool like somatic experiencing, has gotten very mainstream. Um, you know, it's getting paid for by health insurances now yeah. for trauma work, which where before you, you couldn't get them to pay for anything other than CBT. Um, so I think that people are learning more Good. and curious about it, and I think they want the information. They may not really know how, um, because if they're not embodied in themselves and they don't feel their own body and they don't know what when you talk about Eugene Ginling's work with the felt sense, yeah, and you sense and feel into yourself and they don't, they're all in their head, and they don't have a body, they become scared, you know, because for them to touch in could be too scary. Mm -hmm. And if they're too scared to touch in, they can't even begin to help somebody else touch in. You have to feel comfortable in your own skin to be with somebody to help them start bridging. So I think it's coming into an era of, especially with trauma work, becoming more and more of a curiosity, mm-hmm. uh, more acceptance for it. Um, I don't think we're called the, the woo woo wacky people anymore. Uh, <laughs> a lot of people would say, Oh, that's too woo woo for me, you know, and, and I'm not hearing that as much. I'm hearing more. Can you tell me more? You know, how would that work in this situation and what might you do? And I think it's really important that everybody understand that even in a somatically focused therapy approach, you're still doing cognitive behavioral therapy because mm-hmm. you're still talking, you're still in, you're looking at changing a behavior, a mannerism, and you do process it, you do talk about it, you do go through a release. And part of the whole healing is that sort of reflection on it and thinking, well, what happened? Where did it happen? Why did it happen? How do I feel about it? What's my own experience of myself in that? And that's that's cognitive reasoning. Yes. So it's not an illusion of it's a how do we broaden and bring in lots of different approaches.
0: Yeah, actually, I really appreciate the fact that you you acknowledge that cognitive behavior and the use of the rational mind is important. It's a tool, but it has to be integrated into a larger framework of understanding the human being in in our totality.
1: Yeah, I think so.
0: Um,
1: Being once a completely total head person. (laughs) I have to acknowledge brain and my mind.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. So tell me a little about the somatics uh, Psychotherapy magazine.
1: Well, we um, are an international publication, and the goal is to be um, a place yeah. where practitioners can come and share their stories, share their experiences. We have interns that are just in the field doing their research and they're writing book reviews. And they're starting to understand their place um, in the field and the literature in the field and how it impacts us. We get the authors to write their reflection experience of writing the book and being present in that moment. Um, we get people sharing the theory they're doing, research they're doing. Um, it's a magazine, but we do require American Psychological Association citation format. Okay. Uh, and if they make a claim, they really need to back it up. Um, they can't just claim that radiki mushrooms will cure all cancer when you don't need radio, you know, active therapy. Yeah. Um, you need to cite some peer reviewed literature that's been reviewed, that is in there and that I can then go fact check. I do fact check. Okay, <laughs> I spend good. a lot of time going and running after um, what people are saying. And is this making sense? Is it true? Without a peer review panel, I'm, I'm basically the reviewer. I'm the editor what comes in I read if I work with all my writers um, and if I if it doesn't feel right I ask them questions I ask to substantiate I want to know where this information is coming from so that I can look it up Uh, we do a lot of writing back and forth for clarity for movement Um, and a a lot of times I'll get these incredible academic papers but we're a magazine we're not an academic journal Uh and I'm not going to publish a 20-page academic research paper but we can find an excerpt of it yeah. you know yeah. and what's the critical component what's going to help people understand what's happening in this field in this research but it's first person familiar voice and i want it to be a, a community of sharing and and i love debate you know we we posted one paper that um, barnaby barrett wrote and i put it up on a couple of our facebook groups that we're part of and he was talking about Freud, um, you know, sort of being one of the founders of body psychotherapy. And she's like, no way. This was no way to that. And somebody else came back. With, well, actually, if you look at this and then somebody else came back. And it's that kind of interaction that we're, that we're trying to stimulate is to get people thinking, questioning, challenging, talking, accepting, rejecting. Mm-hmm. Because not everything is true. Uh, so much of what we say and do is based on our perspective and our interpretation of it. So how can we expand our awareness and play with our interpretations and maybe make some room for shift or for growth. Um, and so the, our articles are all designed to kind of be a starting place. Um, we always include the author's, um, email addresses and we encourage people to email. Yep. I love the cover. I searched far and low and high and wide to find a cover that would show connection and family, and smiles, and already getting to know the baby in, in, in uterine. Um, I love that. I love that photo.
0: Where can folks learn more about the magazine, and obviously subscribe to it too?
1: Well, uh, we have a website. It's um, www.SomaticPsychotherapyToday.com, and we are offering a special, actually, for the July issue for people that are sort of just new to us. You can just pre-order one issue. You can just pre-order the July issue and get that mailed to you. Um, That way, if you're not quite sure if you want to subscribe for the whole year, um, you can just try it out once. Um, Subscribers um, that do pay to subscribe get the magazine mailed to them. They also get a digital version. Um, They get access to our digital portal on our website. Our website has all kinds of free information. We have free feature articles. We've got Heather, Dr. Heather Corwin who does Take a Tool and Run. So, every month she's got a great, very quick video with exercises, things that you can do right off the bat. Um, Dr. Serge Pringle, we have a column from him on relations and mindfulness, and he's up there um, free. We've got Kate White, who is incredible with pre and perinatal psychology and health, and she's doing a lot of work um, with the, um, John Chitty, who, who just passed, um, with his two chair work and working with infants and coming into the being, and she's writing. Lots about that. So we have free information on our website, but you don't get the magazine, and those articles aren't shared except with subscribers. And we do a magazine three times a year, um, and they're completely separate than the quick little blogs that we put up. Our full length, really big, in depth articles aren't in the magazine. Okay.
0: Great. Well, thank you, Nancy. You're welcome. Uh, great to talk to you. I wish you much success with Somatic, somatic Psychotherapy Today. Great magazine. I love it. Thank I'm glad you. I found it and found you through it.
1: I um, appreciate you finding us. It's good yes. to know we have readers. We want people to read. <laughs>
0: yeah. Uh, definitely include links on the uh, show notes so people can check out the magazine. Hopefully, um, if they want to, they can just subscribe for one month. That's fine. But we really want to encourage them to do the whole year or multiple different years.
1: Yes, that care? would be fun.
0: <laughs> <laughs> cool. Well, uh, I look forward to having a conversation with you in the near future about the uh, growth and development of somatic psychotherapy.
1: Terrific. Thank you so much for your time, Michael. Appreciate the talk.